My name's Aaron. I'm one of the elders at Christ First, and we're um, celebrating this morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is the doctrine of Christianity. This is the part of our faith on which everything else hangs. It's, if there's no resurrection, then uh, it's, it's almost everything else just begins to fall apart. Um, hopefully, yeah, that's all. I'm just checking there's some messages there. Is it OK? Can you hear me now? OK. Oh, OK, great. OK, fantastic. As I said, we're looking uh, as a church at this, a series in Exodus. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and it's the second in a subset of books uh, that were all written by Moses, the first five books of the Bible. So if you're joining us for the first time, you're kind of coming in at the uh, the Empire Strikes Back of the of the Bible type section. We're sort of in the middle of, a, of two stories. And so... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. So I just want to give you a quick catch up on where we are. Uh, so what's happened so far is you may well know the story, uh, some of the story from watching something like the Prince of Egypt or something like that. But basically, the people of God, the Israelites are in Egypt. And um, what's happened is they, they went there initially with Joseph, who you may know through you know the story of Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat. You might have seen that. They initially went there to be with Joseph and, and survive a famine that had, had taken over the world. And what happened then was they lived there for a long time. They, they had children, their children had children, their children's children had children. And it, it multiplied and grew and they grew and they grew and became a nation within Egypt. And, and what happened was the, the Egyptians said, there's too many of them. If they changed their mind and decided they could take over the country and it would, they would rule over us because there's so many of them and they're so strong so what happened was they began to oppress that nation the egyptians began to oppress the israelites and they made them slaves they made them work hard and they established themselves as the ruling class over them and uh moses uh, at one point there were so many that the the pharaoh the king of egypt said we can't let them uh, carry on like this so we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna wipe out a whole generation of boys and so any boys that are, are born need to be uh, wiped out. But one little boy was saved, a boy called Moses. And uh, he grew up actually in Pharaoh's household. And, and then when he was older, he, he felt a call from God to deliver his people, the Israelite people. This is obviously a very short paraphrase, uh, to deliver the people of God. And so he began to speak with the Pharaoh. He challenged the Pharaoh, said, you need to let the, the Israelites go, the people of God go, so they can worship God. And we've just seen where we're up to, that actually Moses would go and speak to Pharaoh and say, let the people of God go, or God is going to inflict this plague on the nation of Egypt. And Pharaoh would refuse. It says that Pharaoh's heart was hard. He, he was stubborn and he refused to listen to what God was saying. And so the, the famous story of the 10 plagues of Egypt, and we heard about the first nine on Good Friday. And so we're up to plague 10, which we're going to look at today in the context of Exodus and Easter. And there are some amazing parallels, which is why we've just carried on this Exodus series. We haven't paused it and done a, a particular Easter series. We're carrying on because there are these parallels that are really important for us to understand as Christians and really powerful in terms of God's message of salvation and so I'm going to read to you now the 10th plague and I'm going to read from chapter 11 in Exodus um, see if this is working 
that's the story so far. I'm going to read from you to chapter 11 in Exodus, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 7. So if you've got a Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, uh, I'll read it there. Um, okay, so it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that, that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So as they're leaving, they're to ask their neighbors for gold and silver jewelry. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go into the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land, such as there has never been nor will ever be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Uh, as we've seen throughout this series, and especially last Sunday on Good Friday, Pharaoh's heart was hard. Pharaoh was given the opportunity to do what was asked of him, to, to let the people of Israel go, but he resisted and he hardened his heart. And as he did that, God said to him, if, that, if that's how you're going to be, then he sort of gave him over and let him harden and hardened his heart even more. And what we see here actually is God is, throughout these templates, God is patient, God is gracious, but he is also a righteous judge. And the plagues are God's judgment. They're, they're God demonstrating his superiority against the gods of Egypt. That This final plague, it says, is a, is a judgment against all of the gods of Egypt. And it's a final declaration of God's authority and superiority. And I think it's, it's essential for, uh, as Christians that we don't shirk away from some passages that are like this. In Exodus, there are some things particularly that are, that are difficult to understand. And we need to understand the context of them. And we need to not, not just say, oh, it's the Bible. And it was a long time ago. But actually, we need to understand the context of the, uh, and accept that these are difficult passages. This is a difficult thing to deal with. This is the God who, is, who we know as a loving father who is uh, dealing out judgment. And so we need to engage with that and remember what the context is. The context of this is that it's God's judgment against a, a nation, a nation and, a, and against a king. This is a, a, a nation who uh, pra willingly practiced racist oppression racist oppression against the Israelites and, the, and even to the point of including in that infanticide, which I'm aware there's little ears around. So I'm trying to use words which perhaps they wouldn't understand. But these are this is a nation that, that for a long for, for, for a long time, for generations, practiced racial oppression, forcing people into slavery, not the kind of slavery that will uh, that is mentioned a bit later on in Exodus, where it's sort of almost a, a sort of a give and take. And it's for a period of time and there's sort of barriers set in so that people aren't trapped for generations or for life but actually they can work off a debt and then be set free this is this is genuine slavery hard labor sort of oppression difficult times so god is acting on this nation's behalf that has been oppressed and judging uh, uh, israel um, egypt and the gods of egypt 
Now, they could have avoided any of these plagues. As I said, Pharaoh could have relented uh, at several stages, but his heart was hard and he resisted God. And uh, we can think, oh, maybe that's difficult for the rest of Egypt. Maybe there's some guy, you know, he doesn't, he's just a farmer in Egypt. But why should he have to deal with Pharaoh's mistakes? Well, I think the reality that we're living in today, you can see how the mistakes of some people can impact the lives of others. We see that in, in our current context very clearly. And so that's just, that is a reality. We don't like to think that. We like to think that what I do is my responsibility and doesn't matter to anyone else. But actually, human beings, we are, we are communal beings. We're, we're made not to be alone. We don't live in isolation as much as some people would love to think they do. We do live in isolation in one sense. Hopefully you're observing the rules. But what we do has an impact on other people and we need to be aware of that. And so that's the context of, of what was happening then. That what was going on was God uh, was, was dealing with the pride of Pharaoh and the pride of Egypt in worshipping these other gods. And he was, he was a, dismantling the things that they pinned their hopes on. And the context for us is that we live in a different part of God's big story. The, the Bible has, a, it has an overarching story. History has an overarching story where God created the world. Mankind is fallen, but God has rescued us and he's in the process of rescuing his creation. And one day we'll finally and fully uh, reclaim and restore creation to how it was meant to be. And so we're in a period of time where because of what Jesus has done, God has, is who is always, always has been, always will be completely good, completely loving, completely just and right in what he does, including how he administers judgment and, and punishment. He, he's holding back to a certain degree and he, he's always held back. But in this period of time, because of what Jesus has done, he's holding back to a, to a greater extent than he, than he did before. And so, as I said, in this plague, we see the death of the firstborn. Now, it's most likely the firstborn son. Uh, often people think of young children, but it's the firstborn. So it could well have been that it was actually someone who was quite old, much older than, than the child. But um, the firstborn is, um, is what is this plague affects. It's the death of the firstborn. And so that would have been in farming terms, maybe perhaps the, the male that was the firstborn that was going to be raised and and, and set to stud, which the farmer had set his hopes, and this is a strong male, we're going to use this to breed. In the, in the family sense, it would have been, or the human sense, it would have been the, the first son who perhaps was being groomed to take over leadership of the family. And so there were these, it was where people had put their hopes, people had pinned their hopes on these things, that there was this desire to see, uh, oh yeah, this is, this is who's going to take on leadership. This is where my economic future is going to be. It's, it's in this animal. And so God is saying in this plague, if your hope isn't in me, your hope is misplaced. If you haven't pinned your hopes on me, you've pinned your, haven't pinned your hopes on God. You haven't pinned your hopes in the right place and your, your footing is not secure. And so for us, it's, there's a challenge. That's, that's what was happening there. There's a challenge for us as well to say, where have we pinned our hopes where is our hope where does our hope lie does it lie in god or does it lie with something else does it does it lie in our health i mean we live in an age where and a particular time where human beings more than ever we thought that we were in control of the world we thought that we were in control of our lives and the reality is we've pinned our hopes on 
finances, on an economic economic structure. We've pinned our hopes on the fact that medical science has advanced and we, we've got good health and we live we live more healthy, longer lives than we have done than human beings have ever done. If you often people say if you could pick an age to live in or a time period to live in, when would you live? This is in many regards a golden age for humanity that that health-wise and technology-wise we're as advanced as we've ever been. We pinned our hopes on that. We pinned our hopes on, as I say, a financial structure, and we have pinned our hopes on our on our individuality. As I said before, we like to think that we can make decisions for ourselves. We're in control of our own lives. We we get to dictate the terms of our own lives. Well, the reality, as we're living through now, is that those things aren't true. Those things aren't true. That that the financial structure that we've based our our world around actually is beginning to creak and in many places i think uh, in america there are millions and millions of people who are applying for unemployment benefits because of the, the collapse effectively of that economic structure that many people who have built sort of you know they're, they're built their life around their health and their wellness they, they're getting sick because of the actions of other people which is again takes away that idea of our individuality that we choose for ourselves actually your life can be massively impacted by the choices of somebody else and so when difficult and unexpected circumstances do appear they do one of two things they either produce a hardness of heart and acts of violent rage that things haven't gone to plan much like uh, they did with pharaoh or they produce uh, a humility and a contrition as we recognize that uh, god is the one who is in control God is in control. The, the one that we learned about a few weeks ago, the I am, I am the I am. He exists and everything finds its existence from him. He is in control. And so when difficult circumstances come, as I said, they either produce a hardness of heart. We either get angry with God. We either rage against that or we we are humbled and we, we say, God, I recognize that I've placed my hope in other things. I've thought that I was the master of my destiny when actually I know that I recognize now that you are in control. God is serious. God, as I said, God doesn't judge in the same way. He doesn't act in the same way in this period of time that we're in, but he is serious about dealing with the idols in our lives. The, the gods that we would look to, to put and say, I'm going to trust that he will put those things in their rightful place. And that's, that's part of what he's does in the working in the life of a Christian, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, every day God is working in you to put those things in their rightful place. If you're not a Christian, then uh, if you're not following Jesus yet, then he's he's wanting to call you into a life that is structured correctly, that is ordered correctly, that he is on the throne. And then these other things come in underneath that and find their correct place. And uh, as I said, we don't live in a time when God judges the same way, but he will deal ruthlessly with those idols. and. Why doesn't he judge in the same way? Well, I'm going to click on to the next slide and hopefully you'll see that we're going to look at the Passover and then we're going to look at what happened then and how that impacts us now. Well, uh, so this is from Exodus uh, chapter 12 uh, and I'm going to read sort of a few different verses. They're scattered around so you can follow along in your Bible or you can uh, read it here. But this is uh, God speaking to Moses. It says, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, Every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. 
when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat that night, rope the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass throughout the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. Touch the lintel of the doorposts and the, with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter the, your houses to strike you. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said. Be gone and bless me also. Uh, the things we see here, they were real for them. These are things that happened. Uh, they lived through these things, but they're also signs and shadows uh, that find their fullness in Jesus. And uh, this is, might be a helpful illustration for you. There are many things that, about the Christian faith or the stories in the Bible. So the, the story of Passover and Exodus, it's like a line that comes in towards, uh, towards the, the Easter weekend, towards the cross and the resurrection and actually uh, some other things as well. But it's, it's like a, a line that comes in and it's in black and white and we can look at it and we go, okay, I, I, I kind of understand what's going on there. It, it, it doesn't make complete sense, but I, I get the general idea maybe. And then as it comes out of Easter weekend, as we look through the lens of Jesus's life, death, resurrection and ascension, as we look through that lens, we see actually this is the fullness of what it was meant to be. It's, it's almost like there's a shadow. These things are shadows. And when you look at a shadow, you can see maybe the shape of something, but you can't actually see the object itself. And so then we look and we see, oh, this is this is what it was meant to be. This is this is how it was meant to be. For them, Israel, the Passover meant that the, the plague, then it meant that the plague passed over their homes, their household. It meant that they were delivered out of slavery and able to, to pursue what God had for them. And for them, so it meant that, the, that, that God passed over them. For us, it means that 
we can know forgiveness for our sin. The, the, the Passover now, in the light of the, the crucifixion, Jesus as the Passover lamb, we can, we can know forgiveness from our sin. And we can live in the hope of, of freedom from sin. That we're, we're delivered out of slavery in, in a similar way. As they were removed from slavery through the, this Exodus story, we, are, we have an exodus of our own through to, to freedom from sin. But it's not just for now. If you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, you will know, actually, I still struggle with some things. I don't feel, sometimes I feel very free and other times I don't feel free at all. I feel like I'm still trapped. And, and so that's why it's not just now, but it's, there's this future tense to it as well. That we're, It's not just that our slate has been wiped clean and we're, we're starting from scratch and trying our best. Actually, there's a future exodus that we look forward to that when Jesus returns, there will be a, a moment of of when judgment is passed over everyone who has ever lived. And on that day, we will be judged whether we measure up to the perfection required to be in God's presence. And on that day, there'll be two options. There'll be option one will be that we'll be judged according to our lives. And we may think, actually, you know, I, I can, I, maybe I'll, I'll give that a go. But actually, we know that perhaps we haven't always done the best thing. We haven't always done the very best we could possibly do. Even if we've lived a, a good life, have we lived, lived up to that perfection that is required to be in the presence of God? That's option one. Option two is that we're marked with the blood of the lamb. In a similar way to that doorpost being marked, the, the doorposts of our lives, the lintel of our lives are, are marked with the blood of the lamb. And actually the judgment of God will pass over us because it's already been placed on Jesus and he has taken the punishment for us. Paul in his letter to the church in Rome says this, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does that happen? How does that exchange happen? The, the, the wages of sin is death. So the wages for the payment for, for sin is death, but actually a free gift of God is eternal life. How do we receive that, that gift? Well, it's through Jesus, Paul says. It's, Jesus is the lamb who was slain by whose blood we are saved and brought out of slavery to sin, out of fear of death, out of oppression, and, and who, by whom we're covered from the judgment of God. Jesus is the lamb whose blood saves us. Uh, John the Baptist was uh, baptizing people and he saw Jesus walking along. Uh, and he said, it says this, the next day as, as he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Now that's a complicated uh, statement, that second bit. It's talking about the, the deity of Jesus, the fact that Jesus was God, that he was before his, uh, this John the Baptist. He was alive before John the Baptist. And we don't have time to go into that today, but He's saying that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus saves us by being uh, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. He is the one who is a sacrifice, who is, uh, we're saved through his blood. Just like the Israelites were brought out of slavery, we too are given freedom through the blood of the Lamb. Uh, Jesus himself said this, he said, uh, as they were eating, as they were taking uh, the, the Lord's Supper for the first time, uh, he said this, take and eat. He broke the bread, take and eat. This is my body. And he took the cup. And, and when he'd given thanks, he said to them, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
This is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus knew what his death would mean. He knew that he was the, the lamb of God who was being sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus is also the firstborn. That statement uh, that I just had up there, the one who comes before me, Jesus is referred to as the firstborn of all creation. Uh, he's the firstborn who receives the judgment of God in our place. Isaiah 53 is a very famous verse. It says this, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins, our wrongdoing. Upon him was the punishment or the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The, the punishment that we should have received was placed on Jesus, that he is the one who is receiving that judgment in our place. Uh, Mark 10, 45, Jesus says this, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10 says, In this the love of God was made known among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, that we're, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the, the payment for our sins. Jesus came, Jesus died, and maybe he even took some punishment for us, you're thinking. But does that mean that we just, okay, well, he took my punishment for, for what I've done, but now what do I do? Do we start from scratch? Well, Romans 6 says that if we have put our faith in Jesus, we're joined to him in his death, burial and resurrection. And we're raised to new life in Christ. Our old life is dead. 2 Corinthians 5 says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. A, a verse that we've looked at a few times recently, Ezekiel 36, 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is about being brought into a new life, that your, your heart, your, your love will beat, your, your very life will beat in a different way. And we know this is true, not just because uh, Jesus, we know Jesus just didn't die, that he rose again. We know this is true because he rose again and he ascended and he sent his spirit to be with us. It says that after he had ascended on high, he, he poured out the spirit. He sent the spirit into the world, the Holy Spirit. And you can know that for yourself. You can experience um, the, the very spirit of God living within you and that new life, that new heart beating inside of you. You can experience that for yourself. So we know that he, he didn't just die. He is risen and risen indeed. And we can look at things like the, the, the fact that the church didn't collapse, but these people who were fearful and afraid uh, because their, their leader had been crucified, actually suddenly they were filled with boldness and they were proclaiming that he was, the, he was risen and he was active still. And even on the pain of death, even though they were threatened with uh, being killed, they still maintained that, that Jesus was risen and he and he was alive. He could send his Holy Spirit to them and they lived in the good of that. And so we know that he was not just uh, he didn't just die, but he rose again. Uh, and he read some verses uh, similar to this. this is from Matthew earlier. It says this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. They could go and see, this is where Jesus was, but he's not here anymore. And that's, a, that's another reason why we know Jesus didn't just die. He's not, there's not a tomb somewhere that people go and visit and think, 
oh, this is where, you know, this is where Jesus died. This is a, a special place. We should revere this. Actually, no one cares about the tomb of Jesus anymore because it was empty. It was a, he was only there for a, a few days. And so people don't go and flock to that tomb. They, they spend time in the presence of God. We can have that relationship, active relationship with God. We spend time in that presence. We can know today the joy of freedom. There's freedom from guilt, from shame, from slavery to sin. We can experience the new life when the spirit of Christ comes into us. And how do you do that? Well, in, in the passage we looked at in Exodus uh, 11, there's verse 7 says this, that God says, I will make a distinction between Israel and Egypt. But that distinction required an act of faith from the Israelites. They had to sacrifice the lamb and paint the doorposts with the blood of the lamb. And Exodus 12 verse 50 says, all the people of Israel did just as Moses and Aaron uh, had been commanded by the Lord. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This is very different to the, uh, the Exodus story we just read, that 10th plague where it says, don't go out, don't open the door because God is coming amongst you and you will receive judgment if you do. Actually, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking. And if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you. I'll, I'll become your friend. I'll be part of your life. And uh, you will be my friend as well. I'll be your brother. And so there's, a, there's an opportunity, there's an invitation this morning to respond to that, that knocking on your door. Maybe God has been speaking to you uh, for weeks or for months, or you just suddenly seem to be coming across lots of people who... In conversations, they say, oh, I know Jesus. I'm a friend of Jesus. Well, this morning you can respond to that. And there's three things that you need to do. There's you need to admit that you're a sinner. It's as easy as ABC. You can admit that you're a sinner. You need to believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he died in your place, that he rose from the dead and will return again. And you need to confess these things. Confess that you believe it. Say it out loud whether that's by yourself just praying or uh, whether you're with someone else you say I want to confess these things perhaps for the first time I want to confess that Jesus was the son of God he died for me for my sin that he rose from the dead and he will return again and you can ask because of the, what Jesus has done the father will forgive you and then tell someone else about it and if you're on your own and you've got no one else to tell you can go to uh, x1church.com forward slash abc if you type that into your your web browser, then there's a form there that you can fill in. If you want to respond in any way, even if even if you haven't uh, said those things, even if you haven't asked God for forgiveness, you can you want to respond in some way. You can go there and there's a, sh a very short form where you put your name, your email, and just a note there, and, and it will come to the church office and you can say, actually, I want to know more about this. I'd be interested to know more about how this Jesus life, death, and resurrection impacts me you can fill in that form and just click send and, and one of us will get in contact with you i'll get in touch with you uh, but that's x1church.com forward slash abc but we live in the good of this we live in the in the fact that exodus is a, is a is a shadow it happened but it's a shadow of what is coming that we can experience an exodus in our lives the freedom from slavery but we can also experience uh, in the future a true freedom someone's uh, drawing on the screen i'm not sure if that's me <laughs> it wasn't me uh, 
But this morning, I want to remind you that Jesus is not dead. He lived. He's the lamb who was slain, but he lives again. He rose to life and he's ascended on high, that he lives on uh, in the throne of God. That He's sitting there. He's bringing everything under his feet. He's calling you to say, put me first. Make me the, the pin your hopes on me. Prioritize me in your life. And uh, so I pray that this, this morning you will be blessed. This week you'll be blessed and uh, that you have a wonderful rest of the Easter day. I'm going to hand back to Andy. I think we're going to uh, watch uh, that video again, perhaps, as we close out the meeting. So be blessed. I pray that you uh, have heard the, the God today, that you have responded to him. And uh, I just want to encourage you to enjoy the rest of this glorious weather that we're having. And have a great day. Thank you, Aaron. So, yeah, I'm just going to, um, during that, uh, because of some of the bandwidth issues, I muted all your cameras. So feel free to unmute your camera if you'd like. Um, but we muted them all because we were struggling a bit with bandwidth. I think uh, Zoom was struggling. Let's just uh, enjoy perhaps the video one more time. I, I know it's sort of, it, it's good to watch and, and we're seeing people past and present from the worship team. It's good, but actually uh, really want to encourage you to, to listen to the words of In Christ Alone. Because we'll share the video, you can watch it again at some other time. But why don't you enjoy the words of In Christ Alone again. Sing along this time, uh, and then we'll just end the service at the end. Have a blessed Easter Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.